21st Century Entrepreneurship with Martin Piskarik. In order to be a great and successful business owner, you have to have a creative mind. And you have to think outside of the box so you can pivot when you're confronted with some challenges. There's no playbook. Right? You have to kind of trust your instinct and trust some of these. Um, really just go into your tool set of what you have to make these decisions. But what I find sometimes with entrepreneurs is they're leading with that. And they don't necessarily calculate the financial impact or consequences until they run into, you know, maybe a brick wall. So I think the trying to help people understand that you can do both, you know, being more structured or thinking about things more intentionally when it comes to your finances doesn't mean you can't still be this entrepreneur that's going to be creative. It's just you want to have the systems maybe a, a business partner or somebody who knows the finances well to, to support the business and to back up those decisions. I think that especially right now with credit tightening, I know a lot of business owners have a revolving line of credit that they have access to that they've kind of leaned on in the past. Right now, the payments are going to be very different than what they've experienced, um, or there might even be tightening on some lending. So, you know, having a concrete reserves, especially depending on what industry they're in, if it's consumer based, that matters right now because of continued inflation, you know, this kind of credit squeeze that we're getting, people like you and me might say, well, we're maybe we're not going to spend as much over the next year. And so what impact does that have on their business? Do they have cash reserves? Do they have a plan to kind of back these things up? Um, and I would especially want businesses that are in growth mode, that are investing big dollars in new projects to make sure that they're kind of market ready if so, you know, what is the build time for that? What is the cash reserves they have to back up that project? Because what you don't want to happen is everything's ready to go. They're ready to roll out. And then it's a slow build. And then all of a sudden they're going, you know what? This is going to take six months, not three months. And now they don't have the ability to support it with cash flow and potentially having to, you know, stop a project or shut it down before they even got a chance to, to really see if it was going to work. Let's go into a few of those topics into more detail. So let's start with leap of faith. So leap of faith is definitely not the brightest choice. Uh, from your experience, what would be first steps to be more aware of a structure needed, financial impact, consequences, so more into a realm of, of everyday business? First few steps. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I would start with the end in mind. So if they could map out based on the solutions that they're brainstorming, they're thinking of, what does the end result look like? And, and fully draw that out because there's going to be, you know, support staff that probably needs to, to be there, depending on the business, if there's product design, that kind of thing. 
So once you have the end of this is the vision, this is where I want to pivot, this is what I'm looking at. Well, now that we have the end, let's kind of build it out from there. So if you kind of look at it like a drawing of a tree and your stump is your end result, and then what are the branches that are going to be coming off that you need, but that are also going to cost something? And then once you have those in there, they don't have to be exact, but if you have a working budget and you know that, you know, when you're in that stage, it could be way off, but at least you have something in there and you can realistically say, okay, based on this, as I pull experts in that are these kind of branch specialists in in those areas, they might be able to tell me, okay, based on this, we need six months of X amount of dollars to get this going. And then you're kind of looking that out and then you can map it out. And if it's not your specialty to do all of that, you can be the creative mind, but you have to find a business partner or somebody that you trust to run the financials behind you to say like, I got your back. I know what you're doing. Creatively, this makes sense. Logically, this makes sense. Financially, this makes sense. Um, And then also based on the industry. You know, you want to make sure that you're not coming with something, even though it might be new for your business, that potentially maybe you're slow to the release that it's not going to be as impactful. So you want to be careful when you're spending big dollars like that. But that would be a way to to kind of get started. What are the pros and cons regarding uh, playing with investors? Well, the con is you lose a lot of control, right? It's not now it's not just you because you're playing with other people's money and they're not going to be as emotionally tied to the the goal, the motivation, the end result. They're going to care about bottom line. So while your numbers aren't going to be concrete in the beginning, they're buying into you, they're buying into the idea. And then as soon as they make that investment, they want to know how, how is this working? Kind of what am I getting my return? Because more than likely you're going to need to do several rounds of this funding. It's not going to be one-time payment and then all of a sudden your business is taking off. Um, that would be great, but usually people, you know, are kind of in initial phase, they run into some hiccups, they're ready for the next. So in order, it's it's exciting to raise capital right away, but you really want to be looking at it long term. As after I do this initial round, why would they write another check? Or why would somebody else do that? Because if I get out the gate and things are looking okay, this investor might go back and go, yeah, things are just looking okay. We'd rather just cut our losses now and we're actually moving forward with a different project because you have to remember they have their hands in lots of different buckets. It's it's the same thing with your um, investments in the financial markets. You know, you're not going to buy well, you shouldn't buy one stock with all of your money and just go, I hope this makes money. You're going to spread out the risk. And that's what these investors are doing as well. They're going to look at well, what are the companies or people that we believe in that we think are going to make money. Let's put some money in there, but we're going to spread it out because we know only 10% of these are actually going to make it or be here in five years. 
So you want to look at that too, is you're, once you do that, you are a number and that's just going to have to be very real, real conversations that you're having of, of whose money you want to touch, how much of it, what kind of control are you losing? Um, and is it worth it? Because if you can't get the project off the ground self-funding, well then, you know, you might have to be flexible on what you're willing to take, but those investors also, you know, depending on down the road, they might want to cut you out. You know, you want to look at, well, how do I, how am I going to make this more of a year over year project? Not just, I need initial funding. And not to lose control, people can work with experts like you, I suppose. Right. I would also, I would be a big believer in that research ahead of time to work with someone in advance to comb it over, to look at it and say, you know, what angles am I missing? Am I vulnerable in some areas? Kind of the good, the bad, the ugly, how can I make this stronger? And then it might be, well, you know what? Maybe I'm not ready. I'm not ready to approach this from an investment standpoint. I have to do, you know, X, Y, Z. We also, you know, you might want to try more traditional lending first and get the feedback of maybe why or why not they wouldn't give you the money. And then you know when you're going to kind of private investing investors that you got to step step it up a little bit. So it it's good exercise to go through. It's not kind of wasted money or wasted efforts to do that because you're still in the driver's seat in all of those conversations. So what I do at Empowered Planning is traditionally educate investors on how to get started with investing or really plan for multiple goals, especially if it's business owners and they want to have a goal of expanding their business. They need resources for that. They also want to make sure that they're doing something for retirement. They might be you know, buying or already invested in property, their own home, um, things like that, where people just kind of get a little overwhelmed. And they potentially just run into obstacles and they're like, you know what? What I'm doing is working. So I'm not going to stop and try to figure this out because I'm also trying to figure out how to grow my business. So I think people don't necessarily have the time or the resources to look at this. So what I really help people do is educate them holistically on the investments that you can have multiple goals and work towards all of them at the same time. It doesn't have to be such a give and take of if I'm focusing on growing my business, I can't also save for retirement. I can't also pay down debt. You want to look at everything together because if I look at the last five years, to me, they went by in a blink. So when when people, that's what I, I see over and over again is people are like, I want to do that, but I'm going to do it later when I have a little bit more money or when I have a little bit more time or when my business is, has achieved X amount of growth. And what we find is once you get to that space, it's, it's like there's another obstacle in your way that's going to prevent you from doing it. So it's really about creating the proper systems in place so you don't have to use so much brain power to think about how am I going to make all of these things work? You kind of do the heavy lift in the beginning, you have your system set up, you know how your strategies are working. And then when you're 
situation may be changing, you're doing these check-ins and you're tweaking. You're not going and go, okay, I got to look at this big behemoth that I have to figure out what I have to do. And again, you don't need to be an expert. You can find a partner that is more familiar with these things. You build that trust and then you can bounce ideas off of um, and have those decisions be made together instead of making them you know, in a silo. This is also very interesting. So you educate holistically. If you can immerse a little bit more into that uh, holistic approach. Yeah, the holistic approach is just more of a thoughtful way of looking at it. And I, I would think about it like anything else, right? If just you're building a house and if all you care about is what color the countertops are going to be or what you know material your uh, cabinets are going to be made out of, like at the end of the day, who cares? If your foundation is bad, and your house could fall down and you could lose all of your investment. Like who cares if you have pretty countertops? Nobody cares. And you want to look at that like your investments or um, your business. You don't want to look at something completely alone. You want to look at all of these together because that's what makes up who you are as a professional, as an individual. And later on in life, at whatever stage this is, either you're going to sell a business and that's going to fund your retirement, or you're going to save and invest and that's going to be your retirement. At some point, you're going to turn off these income sources through active working. And you want to be prepared for how you're going to receive income. And when you do that, it's really scary because now you're not saving, you're taking away from things that you've you've created. You need to know yourself as an investor. You need to understand, okay, I've been through three of these market cycles. It was different headlines, but I've seen, you know, three different crashes. Here's how I responded, you know, two decades ago. This is what I did last decade. Well, here's how I know I'm going to handle it this time around. You don't want when you're making um, the transition into retirement to be the first time you're really experiencing big investment decisions that fall on your shoulders. You want to be like, you know what? I've been down this road before. I made a mistake last time. Here's how I'm going to handle it going forward. So now I would kind of look at it like this is the playful, creative time that you have with yourself as an investor, with yourself as a business owner, because most of the decisions that you make, they're revocable. You could change them. You're not going and saying, okay, once I do this, I'm done. And I've seen also where people have the ambition that they want to create passive income that will support them in retirement. But a lot of times there is active management that you have to do behind the scenes, whether you're you know, advising, consulting, changing. So you also have to be realistic at what point am I no longer going to be able to do that? And do I have a lump sum or sources of income that are, that are going to get paid to me? And what does that look like? Regarding doing mistakes. To include emotions or gut feeling, not to include? I think that you have to include all of it because we're emotional beings, right? And people, if you you know dive into the psychology of why people buy, why people purchase, it usually is emotional, right? We're not making a, a really a lot of decisions day in and day out based on a spreadsheet or based on something that we know logically is good. It's like, we kind of want to feel like moved to purchase something or driven to purchase something. So it's the same thing with your own investments and your business decisions is there's going to be the logic that you're going to want to look at, but there's emotions in there, whether that's gut feelings um, or, or any kind of emotions. And I talk about this a lot in my book because we don't necessarily want to trust those gut decisions when it comes to big financial decisions, because you have to really unpack 
where's this gut feeling coming from? A gut feeling that you have when you're making a financial decision is very different than if you leave you know, a bar late at night and you're walking to your car and it's dark outside and someone makes eye contact with you and you're like, I just don't feel good about this. I got a gut feeling I got to get away. That's a survival instinct. We need those. Those exist for a reason. You're taking those same survivor instincts and implementing them into business decisions. It could be tricky. It could be based on really your money behavior of how you were you know, raised around money, how you've experienced money as a business owner. So you don't want to be making, you know, quote, gut decisions as your final decision. You want to include these emotions that you're feeling, but you want to unpack them and be like, why am I feeling this way? Maybe you're feeling that way because the person you're about to do business with, they don't rub you the right way. You know, and you're and you're like, you know what? I actually talked to a few people and they didn't have the best dealings with this person. You know, that's good. You want to trust your gut, explore it a little bit more. Um, but gut can also just be fear talking. So you don't always want to close the door and go, oh, I had a gut feeling this wasn't going to work out. Well, let's explore that gut feeling a little bit more. Where is that coming from? So I think it's very important to include those. And I struggle with that too, even though I've been in this industry for, you know, financial industry for 17 years, I have a really hard time making big financial decisions, even though logically with a lot of them, I'm like, this makes a ton of sense. And I know this makes sense. Why am I having such a hard time making this decision? If I trusted my gut, I wouldn't make those decisions. And I probably would have everything in cash all the time. And that's what my gut is telling me to do. But I know that's not the right answer. So my solution is I have trusted people around me that if I have an idea, I can bring it to them. I value their opinion and then I move forward with it. And then I kind of have to just sit with my feelings for a couple of days to just say I did the right thing because I'm probably going to lose a little bit of sleep. And I, I know myself now to know that's how I make the decision. So everyone just has to kind of, for their own situation, look at themselves as a unique individual and really unpack this this emotional component because you don't want it to be kind of the start and finish of making big business decisions. I wrote Investing is Your Superpower really based on my childhood money background and then my career in the financial industry and then as a certified financial planner. I've been exposed to all elements of um, money management, investment management, and I'm always surprised that not everybody has this information. So I really, truly believe that being able to make confident, informed financial decisions should be accessible to everyone. I was having similar conversations over and over again, and I was like, well, why don't I put this in a book? Because people were asking, where can I go for more resources? And I would try to Google things. And even if I found nice websites that I liked, there was a lot of pop-ups. It wasn't clear roadmap of where to go. So that's really why I created it. So people could create their own either financial plan or if they're going to work with a financial advisor, have some background so they feel comfortable and can have more engaging conversations with a professional.
as I really experience you as a very centered person, focused, calm, what is your daily routine? What is your mindset? What can you share to rest of us how to become you <laughs> regarding your energy flow and everything else? Yeah, I think it's also getting very honest with yourself. I've made a lot of mistakes in my career, in investing, in, you know, maybe how I would network with people. When I was younger, I definitely burned some bridges that I had no idea I was burning bridges. I was like, this is just how I know how to do things. So I think getting really real with yourself also of, you know, because perception's so powerful. You want to look at yourself for what you think you are and then maybe ask people that you like and maybe a few people that you don't really like that much of, of what is their perception of you? Just so you get an understanding, especially as a business owner, because you're going to need to lean on your community in one way or another to grow your business, whether that's through networks um, or even getting referrals for business partners, that kind of thing. And you just want to know what is the the reputation. And then once you have that, really creating a system that's sustainable. I think as a working mom of two little kids, I feel like I, I'm I'm not doing enough in certain areas. And I'm I'm starting to just shed that whole belief of like what are the priorities? What are the things that I I cannot wiggle on? You know, what, what does that look like in my business? What does that look like at home? And then just to be doing those things because time is just going by so fast. And if you look at things of in, in terms of accomplishments, then you might not feel good, especially as a business owner. Let's say you started a business, you joined a you know new entrepreneurial group and a few people you started that business with, they're, they're having so much more success than you on paper. You don't want to look at that as comparing, oh, they're able to do this. I'm not able to do that. You really want to look at what your path is and know that there's no timeline. It's on it's on your terms. And that's why most of us are entrepreneurs because it is in our timeline. So I think a lot of times when I have these big ambitions where maybe I get approached with an opportunity, I'm like, this sounds great. And I'd have to give up a lot to pursue that opportunity. And I, I you know, end up turning it down. I kind of let go of coulda, shoulda, woulda, it could have been this. And I wish I could have seen this because I'm able to enjoy my life, how I want to do it. And I'm still able to work and do the things that I want to do. So I think not putting so much pressure on ourselves to be whatever we want to be, because in in your mind, if all I could do was work, yes, I could accomplish those things. But I have to eat, I have to exercise, I have to take care of my family. There's life that happens and you don't want that to pass you by either. So I think, again, just getting real with yourself, being honest and then setting the expectations and kind of have them be fluid. So if you're not hitting them, that doesn't make you a failure. You're just doing it on your own time. And are you building something thoughtfully rather than rushing to get something out and then you're completely burnt out in two years and now your kind of creative thinking has been turned off.
when it came to perception internally for me, I was running into a lot of roadblocks because I wanted to get promoted earlier on in my career. And I was kind of being turned down for reasons of, oh, you don't have the experience or really that was that you don't have the sales experience. I was looking around and I saw a lot of counterparts that were males that didn't have that experience, but were getting the jobs. And I really approached that with anger internally. And I know I was kind of wearing my heart on my sleeve and, and was showing that and was kind of a little bit combative of not being able to get those promotions. And while at the time there were not a lot of women who were in, uh, you know, financial advisors that were female. So, you know, almost 20 years ago, um, I, I wish that I would have had a mentor that I could have approached it a little bit differently because finally, after running into the same brick wall again and again and again, and then really each time getting more frustrated, getting more angry about it, feeling um, really bad for myself and doing a lot of comparison was really understanding, well, if I can't meet their expectations of, I don't have this experience, well, what can I do to totally wow everybody that I'm irreplaceable? That every time somebody needs a go-to person, they're coming to me that this is consistent across the board. And so really it's the old saying of kill them with kindness. And that's what I started to do. I started to let go of the outcome and just said, well, what can I focus on today? Instead of keep looking for this, you know, carrot that I want in the future, it's really bugging me every single day and I'm unhappy. And I think I gave myself a timeline. You know, I was like, if I'm still unhappy in August, then I know things have to change. And I would bump up to that. And it was August and I was still pissed off. And I'm looking at it like, all right, at this point, I know now I'm doing this wrong. You know, I can kind of blame other people for how the circumstances or whatever it is, but I've internalized this. Now I'm doing this wrong and I'm doing this wrong for myself as well. And really just trying to help educate myself. It's why I became a certified financial planner. I wanted to understand more of the why behind investment management, estate planning, taxes, all of that. I was like, why don't I just get better at what I'm doing? And that really helped. I think I people's approach towards me softened and my approach towards everyone else softened. And I was able to move up the way that I wanted to move up. And it took time, but I at least was having more fun during that process and looked at, well, how can I get better at my craft instead of blaming everybody else that I don't get to be where I'm at? I have a golden tips newsletter that I write really based on a lot of input and feedback that I get from people. If I see kind of common themes of questions coming through, I'll create a newsletter just to get that out to people, especially when topics are timely and people are kind of concerned with some areas, I will do that. And it's just a nice way to also get live feedback. So I'm constantly asking people what they're looking for. So the golden tips newsletter is really 
kind of my outlet to also create and answer some questions that I'm seeing, or if there's kind of hot topics on my mind, I want to get it out to everyone. To find out more, you can go to our website. It's empoweredplanning.com. And you can also download a free chapter within my book because when it comes to investing or money management, I did not write a textbook. So I tried to make it as funny as possible. I think reading the first chapter, if you're like, okay, this is an easy read, then go ahead and get the book. But it kind of gives you a taste of my writing style as well. So you can just head over to empoweredplanning.com or on Instagram, it's my name, Shinabu Hinder. And I'm constantly putting out tips um, via video, just quick hits um, for a lot of entrepreneurs. 21st Century Entrepreneurship with Martin Piskarik.